You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 35 West Shelton Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.church. So, speaking of Sarah, I'd like to introduce um, Sarah Getz to you. Um, who's going to be speaking today. Like I said earlier, we've been passing the mic around our community uh, this whole summer and uplifting voices of women in scripture who have historically been marginalized, um, primarily because of gender, but also um, for other reasons of oppression. And so we are looking to their stories and their faith to understand God in deeper, broader ways. Um, so they, they, looking at and listening to their voices uh, together has um, been a rich, um, inspirational time. This season I've heard lots of good feedback and I'm so grateful for all the folks who are willing to contribute to to bringing those stories forward. So Sarah Getz is here today to bring forth a story of Miriam, uh, a prophetess in the desert. She is usually right here, literally on the mic, singing. So um, it's a treat to have you bring a story for us. Thanks, Sarah. Good morning, afternoon. And hello, I'm Sarah Getz, she, her pronouns, and um, I'm excited to bring the story of Miriam to you because it's a story that I feel like I connect with. Uh, Miriam led her people in song. I've been known to be up here and lead people in song. She played with a hand drum. I've been known to bring a hand drum, play over there. Um, She also led her people with her family and traveled through the wilderness for many years. And if you know my family and our historic story, we had about uh, seven or so years where we were moving constantly. Every single year we moved to a different state, another zip code, another apartment. And it felt like we were traveling through the wilderness. wilderness. Um, And in that time, I actually looked at Miriam quite a bit and was like, okay, she can do it, I can do it. We got this, we got this. Uh, So I'm excited to help bring the story with you. Miriam was called a prophet in Exodus 15. I was not, that's okay, Um, completely fine with that. But she was called a prophetess uh, after the Hebrew people were delivered from slavery. Miriam's authority and leadership is unique in that it's also really well documented by biblical writers. She's the sister of Moses. She saved his life as a child and as an adult helped him lead her people. She's mentioned in multiple books of the Bible. Miriam has an origin story, a long and beautiful prophetic word, a story of struggle, and her death and burial are honored. And later, even in Micah's prophecy, generations later, the voice of the Lord says, I brought you up from Egypt. I delivered you from that place of slavery. I sent Moses, Aaron, and Miriam to lead you. God says he gave this woman to lead the people. Miriam is a rock star. So today there are three specific things I've learned from Miriam that I'd want to share. Yes, three things. That's how you know that I've learned theology with the evangelicals. Um, So the things I want to bring up are 
Be curious, clever, and brave, especially when helping other people. Celebrate our victories over troubles because it helps us remember the good news. And the third one's a little tough, but it's important to be challenged a little bit. So, sometimes our journeys won't take us where we want, and the fruit of our labor won't be ours to enjoy. So there's some good stuff in there, but for now, I kind of want to just tell the story, starting with the Nile. There we are. So the first time we meet Miriam, while her people are while her people are uh, enslaved in Egypt. For those of you who don't know the story, God's people moved into Egypt during a time of famine after Joseph had become a trusted advisor to the Pharaoh. But a few generations later, the Hebrew people had multiplied and were then treated as slaves by powerful monument-building monarchs. The people flourished so much that they had become a threat. And the Pharaoh decreed that there would be a culling of the population. And all newborn male Hebrew children were to be thrown into the Nile and left to drown. Miriam's mother broke the law and hid her baby son for three months. And now I'm going to tell the story from Exodus chapter 2. But when she could not hide him any longer, she got a basket for him, coated it with tar and pitch, and she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the banks of the Nile. His sister, Miriam, stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. She's up there hiding in the reeds. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking alongside the riverbank, she saw that basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to go get it. She opened it up, saw the baby, he was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of those Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby, nursed him, and when the child grew older, came back, took him to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him and named him Moses. This is Moses' origin story. This is also Miriam's origin story. It's interesting to note in this story that Miriam doesn't have to make an appearance at all. In fact, you can edit her out of the story entirely and you still have Moses' origin story. You could have Moses is put in the basket, put along the Nile, Pharaoh's daughter comes down, finds him, says, oh, a Hebrew child, and adopts him. Much shorter. Some children's Bibles even put it in that way. I don't like those children's Bibles. Because this is also Miriam's story. This story, if you read it with her in it, tells you a lot more. Why is she there? This is actually the story of two young women working together to protect an innocent child from an unjust law. Two very different daughters, the Egyptian pharaoh's daughter and the Hebrew slave daughter, together save a life and end up changing the world. Because of Miriam's curiosity and brave cleverness, because she was present, Moses grew up protected, educated, cared for by the Pharaoh's household 
and eventually led his people to freedom. Young Miriam teaches us that no matter who you are, be curious, clever, and brave, especially when helping people. So the next part of Miriam's story is documented years later. I really like this piece of artwork, by the way. For a little while, I was considering it having tattooed as a half sleeve. Might still happen. Anyway, um, so again, many years later, a lot has happened. If you're not that familiar with the story, here's the cliff notes. Moses grows up in Pharaoh's house, attacks a guard for whipping slaves, and runs away fearing his life. He meets his wife, Zipporah, by a well. Eh? Thank you, Corinne, last, from last week. Yes, he meets his wife, Zipporah, by a well. Moses settles down, marries, and has sons. God appears to Moses in a burning bush, tells him to set his people free, and after some bickering about it, Moses does. It takes miracles, signs, wonders, and ten terrible plagues, but eventually, Pharaoh is worn down and tells them all to just GTFO. The people run for it. Moses parts the sea so they can escape from Egypt. But Pharaoh snaps up, is angry, realizes that 200,000 families are leaving. This is going to be a significant economic impact to free the slaves. Who's going to build the monuments? So he sends out his armies, his horses, his chariots after them. But when they try to cross the water, they get stuck in the mud. The water collapses and drowns them all. This is an incredible story of victory and freedom. This is an incredible story of God's delivering us from slavery, right? And on the other side of the water, Miriam leads the people in a song of victory. It's really long. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read you some snippets. It's in Exodus 15. You can read the whole thing if you like later. Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a hand drum in her hand, and all the women went out after her with hand drums and dances. Miriam sang in response to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider has thrown into the sea. And they said, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider have been thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father is God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. The chariots of Pharaoh and his army he has thrown into the sea. He has chosen officers, and they were drowned in that Red Sea. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness? fearful in praises, working wonders. You stretched out your hand and the earth swallowed the enemy. By your loyal love, you lead the people whom you have redeemed. You will guide them to your holy place. Some of these lines sound familiar? We are still singing these songs. We are still singing these songs. These lines are still echoed. This song of the sea becomes a ballad of deliverance that echoes throughout the rest of the Bible. These lines are quoted again and again, and even echoes in Mary's Magnificat, when she hears that she has been blessed to carry Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying Miriam came up with the idea of deliverance and victory through God's salvation. That is God's message to us. But Miriam led her people in celebration and worship, helping us because of that helping us even today 
to remember this story. By the way, I've recently consulted uh, with a biblical scholar who's actually translated these verses. Thank you, Jim. It helps to know a biblical scholar. Um, and the language used in this poetry may actually be some of the oldest linguistic forms in the Hebrew Bible. Full stop. Some of these words are borrowed from Canaanite and some of the forms seem to actually be contemporary to the time of the events. So it is quite likely that this song was sung through the ages or four ages while the people roamed in the wilderness and then was eventually plugged into the written narrative once they settled down and could actually write things down, right? So check it out. Miriam's song is some of the oldest Hebrew language in the Bible. She's such a rock star. Um, and all of this brings me to my second point. It is good to celebrate the victories over troubles because this helps us remember the good news, right? It's important to remember and celebrate the many ways that we have been blessed because when we tell these stories, when we cry together about our times of despair, when we have the freedom to laugh and remember the victory of our salvation, that's truly important. So, for example, a little aside, but for example, we need to teach about American slavery because with the memory of injustice, that is part of our celebration of victory. It's two sides of the same coin. We need to remember our pain in order to sing the songs of freedom together. This is good, this is healing, and this is part of our legacy together. So, always be sure to take time to celebrate, to be grateful, to worship together. Let's remember together, let us heal together, and then celebrate our victories together. Thanks be to God. So our third movement, the third movement in Miriam's story is the story of Miriam's mistake. It's not as common of a story because it's in numbers. Um, it, may, uh, it may be that the only person in this room who loves the book of numbers is my husband. Yeah, uh, because, but amongst all the genealogies and the logs and the rules are these intermittent little short stories that break up the monotony and these stories generally have a theme to them. And to paraphrase my husband, the theme is usually don't mess with Moses. Um, the stories are usually about people trying to worship dumb things and Moses calling them out, or people challenging Moses' authority and then being struck down by God's power, right? And there's Miriam again. There in Numbers chapter 12, Miriam and Aaron make a mistake. Just like the other stories, they're in Numbers, they're weird, so I'm just going to read the thing, it's a little short dip. Miriam Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. The Lord has spoken only through Moses, they asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? Eh, really? And the Lord heard this. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. That's kind of funny. At once, the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, Come out to the tent meeting, all three of you. 
And so the three of them went out, and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and summoned Miriam and Aram to, the, to step forward, and he said, listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face, clearly, and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. So why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned against them, and he left them. When the cloud lifted from the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. She had become white as snow. Dun, dun, dun. Arian turned, Aaron turned towards her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease and said to Moses, Please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold against us the sin which we have so foolishly committed. And Moses cried out to the Lord, Please, God, heal her. So the Lord replied to Moses, If her father had spit in her face, she, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside of the camp for seven days, and after that, she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move until she was brought back. Miriam was put in timeout. Um, it's a weird story. There's a lot of little nuances and weird things in there. Want to pick out an interesting thing or two? Um, even priestly leaders are not above sibling rivalry. Um, we all struggle with our own occasional pompous self-righteousness. We all kind of cave to that, even these incredible folks. So remember to check yourself sometimes. Get over yourselves. You are special, but maybe not that special all the time. And God condemns Miriam and Aaron for challenging Moses, but still acknowledges that Miriam and Aaron are both prophets. Right? God recognizes that they are prophets. He appears in visions and in dreams. They're just not in charge. Don't mess with Moses. So Miriam is still a leader, still the prophetess. But she does struggle with things. This isn't the most flattering story about Miriam, but it's part of why I love her. Because I can relate to her. Um, I know I, have str I struggle with my siblings sometimes, especially with envy, because they're successful, they're wealthier, and it feels like sometimes they get more respect than I do. I struggle with that. I get it. And I also struggle with leadership. I catch myself complaining about my supervisors and their dumb decisions and say, why can't I be the person in charge? But mm, sometimes I let it get to me and I speak venom, right? It's really kind of petty. And here's Miriam struggling with the same stupid thing. She's struggling with this and she, let it, she lets it come out venomously at other people. She's attacking. Now, I get it. She's stressed. Life in the wilderness is hard. I can relate to that. But don't let your bitterness turn into venom. Take a deep breath. Let it go. Eventually, in Numbers chapter 20, Miriam dies in the wilderness and is buried in Kadesh. Do we have... 
Now, this is a drawing. I don't think it's exactly of what her place looked like or what the area looked like, but it's close, so there it is. Now, it's important to note here that the writers found Miriam's life important enough to the Hebrew people that her death and burial are recorded in scripture, right? The prophetess Miriam is important. Her life and her death matter. Miriam never makes it to the promised land. She dies and is buried in the wilderness. And this brings me to my third and final point. Your journey matters. Your journey will include great experiences and foolish mistakes. Your journey may not happen the way you expect it to go, and it may not take you where you wanted to go, but your journey is still important and beautiful. And even if your journey doesn't take you into the greatness you were hoping for, Maybe if you keep working, keep striving, keep marching forward, you will bring your people closer to the promised land. So there we have it, folks. The legacy of the prophetess Miriam. Be curious, clever, and brave, especially while helping others. Celebrate the victories over troubles because that helps us remember the good news. And sometimes our journeys won't take us where we want, and the fruit of our labor will not be ours to enjoy, because it belongs to future generations. Thanks be to God, and thank you, Prophetess Miriam. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected, visit circleofhope.church. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook at circleofhopenet.